0: is looking for answers, some glimmer of hope. The Thessalonian church found it, and we can too. Here's Pastor David. You know, the death rate from alcohol among middle-aged people, okay, and depends on what middle age is, okay, but let's just say 35, 45, 55 in that area, The death rate in the last 10 years, well, 2007 to 2017, a study came out, and it's going way up. And actually more with both men and women, but more with women than with men, people are becoming heavily, heavily, heavily addicted to alcohol, much more than they were 10 years ago. As we continue to walk through this broken culture, as we continue to walk through the lies and the deceit and the things that look like they're going to give you joy and leave you with nothing, there are people all over who we're dealing with. And interestingly, the young people are actually having much lower deaths from alcohol as they're looking forward, believing that somebody's going to come out and tell them that there's something real and tell them that there's something true. They're holding on to that hope rather than drowning that away in intoxication, leading to all kinds of problems. They're, we have the, the young people right now, they're actually drinking less, having sex less, doing those things less. They're actually, they actually get their heads on their shoulders a little better. Than we did. I'm not saying they're not doing things that they shouldn't be doing. Kids, you know, do as do adults, but they're looking for something. And the people who are in middle age are saying, I, I've, I've been looking and I can't find something. And yet here we stand. Here we sit in this room with Jesus Christ, which is who they're looking for. They're lonely and afraid and broken. There's suicide, drug, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, addiction. All of these things, because they're broken, they want to belong to something, but they don't know where to turn. So they turn to their cultural idols, and they hope for the best, and it never works out. And it doesn't matter what your idols are, by the way. You can have better ones or worse ones, depending on how you look at it. Family can be an idol. You can get all your value and all your hope in your family or your friends or some cause or drugs or alcohol or hobbies or sports, work, sex, entertainment, all of those things can be things that you're putting your hope ultimately in. You're putting your hope in those things. It's not going to work out. It never does. It never does. It eventually leaves people feeling broken and alone. But this, this church of, of Thessalonica, these people, they were not alone. They were not alone, and Paul was telling them that. They did not have to be afraid. They were not alone. They were not by themselves. They were the church at Thessalonica. We already studied that they were facing persecution. We already talked about that. And yet, being in God the Father, being in the Lord Jesus Christ, was worth it to them. They'd only had weeks or months of training. And yet, being the church, being his church, standing for him, was worth affliction, even with that little amount of maturity that they would have had. It's incredible. It's incredible. It's incredible. And here's, here's the thing. The Holy Spirit can do amazing things if we're willing to let him do amazing things, right? And apparently he did here because these people being called out, that, that first line that we just read to the church at Thessalonica, being part of that, being part of being in Christ, was worth for them living for and dying for Already was so little that they had learned. So that's who these people are, right? And here's, and here's more good news. If you're a Christ follower and you're called here, you are the church at Acts Church. You are part of the same group that they are part of. You are included. You are the, the church in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You have everything, everything to look forward to that they did or that any, any of God's churches ever have. Which is you're in him. He has you. You're with me. You're with this person and that person and the people around you. You're a family. You belong. There's a lot of people walking out there who don't feel like they belong to anybody. There's a lot of people walking out there alone, truly feeling alone and hopeless. You have hope, and you've got friends. <laughs> you've got family. You've got brothers and sisters in Christ, and you have Christ. That's an amazing thing. When you think about the fact, we just talk about church. I'm going to go to church this weekend. I'm going to go to church. When you think about church, when that word comes up, You should start to feel something incredible when that word comes up. I'm part of Christ's church. It's a big deal. It was a big deal to them. Next part of this first verse. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. If you got your Bible, circle the word grace, circle the word peace, and then draw a line from grace to peace, and I'll tell you why in just a second. Grace is, is a gift. Some of you know what grace is. Some of you um, need to learn what grace is and, and understand what grace is because it's an amazing concept. It's, it's a gift from God that we don't deserve. We don't deserve it. We haven't merited it. It's favor from God that we have not merited. Something we get, okay? This is this, just this word. You know, we're, we're five words into it. And then he says grace. And just this word, grace, turns the world upside down. It turns the world upside down because, listen, every philosophy and every religion that existed in that world and every one that exists in this world except for following Jesus Christ is a merit-based system. Okay? It's about what you do so that God will do for you. It's about being good enough. These Thessalonian people have grown up in a city in a region where there's all these idols, okay? And they would pray to these idols, and they would pray very differently than, than I think you probably pray. They would pray for things by telling these idols what they had done, right? So they'd be like, well, Zeus, give me a chariot because I sacrificed that nice pigeon, right? I did this, you give me. Give me some gold because I've been good, right? I've done the things you wanted to do. I made an inscription for you. You know, They would do all this stuff for these gods to try to merit the favor of these gods, Okay? They, they had the basics, basic system we've talked about before. Bad people have bad things happen to them. Good people have good things happen to them. It's kind of a karma type of system. You earn what you get, you get what you earn. And here, in the midst of that culture, and the midst of our culture, Paul is coming out, out of the gate and saying, grace, grace. The message of the gospel is not that you can go to God And pay your way in, or sacrifice your way in. It's that you're broken, and that it is absurd for you to parade your good works, your your righteousness, which is just filthy rags, before God, and expect Him to grant your wishes, like he's some kind of genie. To think that shows a profound ignorance of who you are, and who God is. You've got to understand that. C.S. Lewis says. Two things that we got to get straight before we can go anywhere are that there is a law, right? There is a law that that God has created and that we've all broken it. If you don't understand that, you don't understand anything. you got to understand that. You've broken the law, God's law, not just man's law. Maybe you've never broken the law, man's law, but you've broken God's law. You've been a rebel with a wicked heart, with wicked thoughts, and done wicked actions. Yes, you have. All of us have. If you think you can go to God and ask for his favor, he's just going to forget about it because you threw a few bucks to some charity or even to his church or because you volunteered at church or, or helped the homeless or, or helped save the whales or brought snacks to the PTA meeting or something that God owes you that you can kind of, your prayer can be, well, God, I brought the orange slices to the kids yesterday for the game. And, uh, you know, and so I think that you should give me a new car or whatever. That's not how it works. That's how they did it though. That's what they did. And a lot of people still think like that. And a lot of religions are like that. Hey, I'm doing this, I go this. There's pride in it, there's self-righteousness in it, and they think that God owes them something. But here's the thing. God doesn't owe you anything. Those are all good things that you could go do, okay? All the things I listed. But they don't undo the sinfulness of your rebellion. They can't undo the sinfulness of your rebellion against God. That's why Jesus Christ died for you. Because you couldn't pay the penalty. You couldn't pay the penalty that you deserved. And here's the penalty that you deserved. Death and separation from God. Because he's perfect and holy and you're not. And I'm not. That's why Jesus Christ died. He died and God raised him from the dead. Defeating death and hell. And defeating the chains of sin that hold on to us. That make us a slave to sinfulness. All that's gone. And here Paul comes and he writes, Grace. The reason the Thessalonian believers could have joy and hope in persecution was because of the grace of God. And it says grace and peace. Now, here's the thing there's a reason why I had you circle them both and draw a line. The two words are linked. There is no peace with God without grace. There is no peace with God without grace. I already told you, you can't earn it, right? So the only way you're going to have peace with God is by the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made and the grace that comes through that. The unmerited favor, the free gift that you didn't earn, that's the only way that you're going to have peace. And what's peace? If you get a chance, we did a, a sermon on who is Jesus, the Prince of Peace, and we talked about peace, shalom. We talked about what that was. If you want to go back and listen to that. But basically, you're talking about wholeness, wholeness of relationship with God, right? Right? Grace and peace to you. you got to have grace in order to have peace with God. So it was Christ's grace. It was God sending his son who died, who rose again, that created the ability for God to be able to give you grace and look at Jesus instead of look at you so that you could have peace, shalom, wholeness. You can go back to relationship with your creator because you had broken it. You were out of it. And he can bring you back to that. Grace and peace. Look, it's, it's like that in a lot of relationships. My marriage, if it was not for the grace that my wife has for me, there would be no peace. I promise you. She would have left long ago. She would have left long ago. Relationships, any relationship that's going to be very deep or last for very long is going to need grace if you want peace. Right? My wife, you know, I don't have to have any grace for her because she's perfect, but she has to have grace for me. Okay? And and we're talking about the grace that she shows for me, she does because of the grace she's received from God. And it helps her to know how to give grace for me. Most of my friends have had to show me grace, along with all of my bosses, every teacher I've ever had, other drivers on the road when I'm there. All these people have to have grace for me or there would be no peace in any relationship. God has paid the price so that he can give me grace so that I can have peace with him. And he was the only one who could do it. And he's done all, he's done the same thing for every one of you that he's called. Every one of you. If you're listening to this study of Thessalonians and you have not experienced the grace of God, of Jesus Christ, that leads to peace. If you have not experienced that, you have not lived. Literally you are dead spiritually, you have not lived, you have not experienced the most amazing thing that any human being can experience, and that is the reconciliation and restoration, peace in our relationship with God. It is an amazing thing. You can have that today. Because Jesus Jesus donated his blood, because he shed his blood, you can have peace. And not just in your physical body, not primarily in your physical body. Okay? These, in fact, these Thessalonians were actually getting slapped around. right? Physically, they weren't in great shape. But they had spiritual peace and eternal joy and peace with God. And you can have that newness today. You can have that newness now, just like the Thessalonians did. You can experience what they experienced. And so we see that we begin here in verse 1. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to do the whole rest of the chapter here in like five minutes. All right, you ready? Here we go. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love. Don't forget, brand new Christians, very little training. Work of faith, labor of love, "...patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit." And in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. In much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. So that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. New believers. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything, for they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Listen. These new believers, this is, this is the amazing thing. This is the thing I want you to just kind of take home with you. Okay? Paul is giving thanks to God For this church, which they basically had to orphan and abandon because of the the persecution that was coming. They had to leave them there with very little teaching. These new believers in this broken, messed up culture. And not only did they survive, but they thrived. They they thrived. They had so little training and they were facing persecution. And God is being thanked because of their work of faith. their labor of love. Their patience of hope. And our Lord Jesus Christ, in sight, in the sight of our God and Father, they knew they were they they were assured they were they were certain that they had been saved, that their daddy, that their father loved them. They were part of God's kingdom. They were part of Christ's church. They were com- they were committed to that. They understood that. How I, I look? I have a hangnail, and I start questioning the whole thing. Right? <laughs> Enough pain, a headache, or whatever. I'm like, all right, what's it all about? I don't like this. Okay, These are brand new believers. I don't really do that Okay, every time I get a headache. Although I really don't like headaches. But you know what I'm saying. We struggle with difficult things. These people are brand new baby Christians. And somehow, under affliction, they're still certain of their salvation, working, believing in the Holy Spirit, having joy in him. And because of that, because they were like that, all of Macedonia and Achaia, that's basically all of Greece, their example was going out to all of them, the believers. who are all seeing these people and going, whoa, wow. And then it says, not just them, but to everybody. This has sounded forth not just in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. In every place. The Thessalonians' way of life, these that were following Christ even under persecution, was making an impact like the ripple from a rock in the middle of a pond going out all over throughout the world. The fact that they turned from idols to God, to God from this idolatry and this nonsense, and then their faith was working, and they were trusting, using their spiritual gifts, loving one another. It was changing the world. This little group of people. And all I had to do was believe that God had raised Jesus from the dead, believe that they would be delivered from the wrath to come, and the judgment that comes to those who don't accept the grace that's freely given, and they changed the world. They believed they were identified with Christ, with his body. They believed they were in the family of God. And that what did they do? They behaved consistently with those beliefs. The things they did made it clear that they actually believed those things. If we actually believed what God has told us about who we are, about what he has promised us, about what eternity looks like, about what we're up against, what might our lives look like? What might they look like? These people had, look, you can go online and listen to a thousand great Bible teachers, right? You can even hear our church online. You can go and get, uh, just on the internet, you can find Bible study tools and whatever. You can get all the teaching that you want. And you have basically no persecution, okay? Nothing to speak of. I doubt any one of you has shed blood for the gospel. Maybe you have, but it'd be very few of you that have. Shed blood for the gospel. We have all those advantages. And are we rocking the world? We should be. I think we will. I think we can. But we got to take a page out of this book of the Thessalonians and the way that they lived. It wasn't like they were able to teach this amazing stuff. They didn't have all that. Well, what did they have? They had the ability to stand strong in their faith, believing that God loved them and started loving each other. And that was enough. That example was enough to start changing all of Greece and going out through the world. It's simpler than you think. You don't have to have a theology degree. You don't have to know everything. Now, is it good to study the word? Heck yeah, it's good. We do it every week. We're going to keep doing it. Are those things important? Yes. But what do you need? You need to believe on Jesus Christ. You need to live like you believe on Jesus Christ. That's it. Believe and do. Believe, do. Live like the things that you say you believe are true. That's what they did. And they were able to change the world. I know that God will use us. I know that he will use us if we're willing to change the world. If we're willing. They were willing and the Holy Spirit worked through them even in their weakness. If we're willing, God will work through us. Don't you want that? I want that. I want that. I want to live like these Thessalonians lived. Simply. Effectively, and look, we're gonna go through this book. They had some issues still. They weren't perfect by any, by any stretch of the imagination, but they were working in faith and love and hope, just like we are trying to do, just like we will do. They're proclaiming the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, and that testimony went out like ripples through the world, and if we do it, we can do the same. Look, we're still reading about these people today. We're still reading, people all over. Of, of, uh, all over the world, there's probably however many churches that are actually studying the same thing we study today. We're still reading about the Thessalonians because God used their, their witness, their faith, the work of, of just trusting him and believing him and living like they believe. He used that to affect the world greatly all the way from then to 2,000 years. Now listen, here's the thing. If you and I will be willing to let the Holy Spirit work in us like they were willing to have the Holy Spirit work in them, then God will write our story across eternity too. And you will be those at Acts Church who have done amazing things, who people are thanking God for the fervency of your belief, for the seriousness of your walk. Where People are looking at you and going, man, I thank God every day for you. It's like Paul thanked God for the Thessalonians because of the because you're standing strong. Because your faith is real, and because I can see that you do what you say you believe. Living our faith makes all the difference. And if you'd like some help doing that in your own life or have questions about all this, we'd love to help. Call us at 360-885-9000. Or come see us at Axe Church in Vancouver, Washington this Sunday morning. Easy directions are just a click away at axchurchnw.org. Thanks for listening. And I hope you'll check out the next episode for more with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.